Can you imagine going through life not knowing anything about Jesus? Did you know there are still an estimated 2.2 billion people on our planet who've yet to even hear the name of Jesus? That's one in three people on our planet who've yet to hear the name of Jesus. 360 Serve believes, and I think you do as well, we need to do something about that. We need to share the love of Jesus and the good news of Jesus with these people who have yet to hear about Jesus. 360 Serve is about a new way to do missions where we focus on helping you support indigenous church planners who bring the gospel to the least reached people on planet Earth. I trust you've been encouraged and inspired by these episodes as we've been focusing in on the country of China. Make sure you share this podcast. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Barnabas from China as he shares with us stories from the beginning years of his ministry, seeking to bring the gospel to the least reached people of China. We're also going to get a glimpse into the various types of persecution that Christians face in China. Here is Barnabas. Well, we're back with uh, Barnabas from China. How are you doing today, Barnabas? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm excited about this uh, episode because uh, we're going to be able to talk about really one of your first experiences in mainland China. God, of course, called you there. We talked about that in our last episode. We can't cover every detail about your life. Mm. There's just too much. But we're going to jump right into uh, just the year 2000 and uh, what, what you know, our listeners are going to hear what it's like to serve God in China. So tell us that story and, uh, and wow, get ready for something uh, amazing <laughs> okay. that we're going to hear. Uh, you know, in year 2000, that's uh, actually the first year I am working full time. Uh, with the house church in China. I've been planting house churches in China since 1989 when I'm still working at Shindou Camp. I, uh, I also work with a sports ministry team uh, from Canada and mostly from the U.S. I bring a Christian prayer, basketball prayer, baseball prayer, doing clinic training and games in China. So I do have some experience with the government side of China. But God's calling for me is to serve the house church in China. And house church until these days uh, is regarded as illegal. A- any gathering within the house church in China, even right now, is called an illegal gathering. And many pastors, Christians being arrested, or churches being raided because the government say these are illegal places, these are illegal meetings. Uh, so I do know the situation. Uh, when I start full-time working with the house church in China. And I know I have to prepare myself. Someday I may be being arrested. So I have all this in mind. But I never expected that I lead to one from the police so soon. The 49-hour run is in October of year 2000. And it is not my first one. Uh, God gives me a warm-up exercise at the same year in Naples, and that one is only eight hours, a much shorter one. But I think after the exercise, God thinks that I can run for 49 hours. Probably. So this is very exciting. If you ask me, am, am I scaring? 
uh, I cannot say I don't, but very little. Because when you're running for your life, I think there's no time to think about how scary you are. If you are scary, you will stop and not running. But I'm running, uh, uh, literally running, like running a hundred meter dash in <clears throat> in the Olympics or running a long one. You know, uh, what happened is I was uh, invited to speak in uh, underground facilities in China, in central China. So for five days, I was. Uh, uh, teaching and doing training in that underground. Underground actually means it is like a basement underneath uh, a house in the villages hillside of China. And that basement is not the basement, what the basement looked like in the U.S. with a uh, pretty good facility. It's a hand-dicted uh, basement or very simple tools because they can they cannot let the government or laborers find out what they are doing. So they, they have to dig uh, the basement out by hand. And I was in that basement. And so for five days, I'm teaching from early morning to evening. I'm the only teacher. You know, if you've been to the, the training in China, they are de- very demanding about the teacher because there's no other activities they can do. I mean, they all we were all locked up in a very small space. And at night, there, uh, there will be a place for men, another place for women. And usually, it's packed. Uh, I, the, the training I was at at that time is uh, there are about 120 pastors in that uh, small basement. So I was very tired after five days. And uh, when I leave the place, I take a flight uh, flying to Fuzhou in Fujian province. And Fujian province at that time uh, is a place where there's a little bit more freedom with churches because Dr. John Song is a very famous evangelist in the early uh, 20s, 1920s. He was educated in the U.S. If you may have heard about his story, he's, he's getting a Ph.D. in chemistry or something like that in the U.S. And then when he take a boat, a ship, uh, going back to China, he he followed his diploma to the sea, Pacific Ocean, and because God also called him into full-time ministry. So he is from Fujian province, and a lot of his ministry work is there. So even the government at the time, or especially Christian, respect him very much. And uh, in Fujian province at the time, even right now, there are a lot of government churches, which is called the Free South Church uh, in this province. And the Free South Church also work alongside with the house church, allow them uh, to meet in their uh, church locations. Uh, so with that going on, uh, that means Fujian province should have uh, more freedom. So after a very uh, difficult time, training in central China and very much security concern. When I am going to Fujian for province, I think that this is uh, much better, you know. So my alert level is down a little bit. And the pastor around me uh, who accompany me say, oh, you will be be fine here uh, because uh, usually there's a lot more freedom in this province. There should not be a problem. The government is not persecuting uh, churches a lot here. So that's the background. 
So uh, I arrived. I, I arrived at in the Fuzhou Airport in uh, around two o'clock, and at the same time, I go to Air China counter trying to change my air tech ticket to go back to Hong Kong because uh, when I go into China, usually right now a lot of times we cannot communicate too well or too much because we afraid our our conversation will be leaked out and the police will get us. So I usually do not know my exact schedule when I go in. Uh, so at the same time, I uh, in year 2000, I don't know. So I cannot fix my return ticket to Hong Kong. I'm supposed to go back to Hong Kong and then fly back to the U.S. because at that time I'm working for U.S. NGO, uh, Christian NGO. I'm the China director uh, starting ministry in China for them. Uh, I want to go back because my son, my oldest son, Matt, uh, he is having concert at school. Uh, it's not a single concert. It's a, a choir. So I promised that I would go back to attend that concert. Uh, so I need to uh, fix my uh, ticket. But Air China at 2 p.m. in the airport, uh, they close. No one is there. So I bear in mind with my question, and I asked the pastor who come to meet with me. There are four ladies coming to meet with me. Uh, they are all pastors. And uh, you have to know in China, there's a lot of Chinese uh, lady pastors, women pastors. And uh, of course, we, have, we may have theological questions coming up. But let me tell you this. In a lot of villages in China, there's only women, many women, majority. It's like 80% of women. If you have a, a man as a pastor, there's a lot of uh, problem because there's a lot of questions that women will not ask the, the male pastor. And especially in Fuzhou, uh, you know, a lot of Chinese restaurants in New York City, even right now or around the country in the U.S., a lot of the restaurants are opened up by Fujian people, uh, people who go to... The U.S. opened up work for Chinese restaurant, making money for 10 years and send money back to their hometown to build homes. They are separating from their family for 10 years or more. And it's still happening in the U.S. right now. If you go to Chinese restaurant, you ask the ship coming out, you ask them, you will know that all I tell you is, is right. So this is a province and Fuzhou and nearby city in this province are mostly women because the men are escaped to overseas in Germany, in, in England, and in the U.S. or Canada to make money. So there are four women pastors coming to meet, meet me, and then we started to travel to a host family and then going to teach the next day. Uh, so I asked them for help because I told them that I need to change my flight tickets, but the airline in China uh, office in the airport is closed. So one woman, uh, lady said, okay, I can help you because uh, I know a friend's daughter is working at the airline, uh, Air China office in the city of uh, Fuzhou. So I said, uh, since we are going to pass Fuzhou before we go to the meeting place, can you take me? to the office in the city so that I can change my ticket. I can fix my ticket for, for going back to Hong Kong. So they say, oh, yes, we can do it. But this is China. I see we were on the kind of highway. And I see, oh, we already passed the city of uh, Fuzhou. So I asked the pastors, 
are we going to the airline office? Uh, they said, oh, no, 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 sorry, teacher. Uh, because of the time, we, we cannot go into the city. I said, you promised me to go to the city. Said, I'm sorry, uh, uh, things change. And so I still ask them, how, how can I change my ticket? I really want to change my ticket before I go into the training in the next three days. So they said, okay, as I told you, uh, I know a young lady working in the uh, airline office in the city. If you give me your ticket, you give me your ID and uh, exchange free some money, uh, I think I can ask people to do it for you. But I said, no, I don't want to give out my ID. To keep my ID with me all the time is very important when I'm traveling in China. But to cut a long story short, I have no other option. So I actually give them my ID, my air ticket for changing, and some money. And then I get into the training not <clears throat> the next day. But before I am traveling to the exact location for the training, I was brought into a host family, leave uh, Fuzhou, like uh, an hour drive from Fuzhou. So when I enter the uh, host family, uh, <clears throat> I see a lot of uh, pastors there, and then I, I teach. I have no choice. I have to teach. And then we travel to the location for the real teaching the next day. So after three days of teaching with no shower, I went back to the first location, which I called it the host family. And then uh, I'm supposed to leave the next day. I get into the host family at 9.30 in the evening. So I'm ready to take a shower because I have no shower for a few days. And then I want to go to bed. I'm very exhausted. But when I enter the room, it is, uh, the, the house has two stories. Uh, so the ground floor is about probably 300 square feet. When I enter, there are about 15 pastors there. They are very happy to see me. I'm not, not too happy to see them because I know I have to teach again. I'm exhausted. Uh, so they said, teacher, and I'm waiting here for you for the whole afternoon. I'm glad you arrived safely. Please talk to us. Please teach us about the Bible. So I said, okay, I will do it. But I, you know what? I'm, I want to take a shower before I teach so that I can be refreshed because uh, I'm from Hong Kong. I used to take a shower every day. But in the last three days, I do not take a shower. They said, okay, okay, we can wait for you. So I started to take off my shoes. The shower room is downstairs. Uh, I take off my shoes and then I, I started to wanting to go into the shower room. Uh, but I then I saw the pastor who is uh, taking care of my ticket. So I asked her, hey, uh, can you help me to get my ticket and get my ID back? Uh, I want to wait here for you to get my ID and air ticket before I go into the room to take a shower. Uh, so she said, yes, yes, yes. Uh, it is upstairs. So he is, uh, she is walking upstairs. And I'm waiting downstairs for her. But all of a sudden, there's someone call. Hey, we have to run. Teacher, we have to run. So I was thinking, what does it mean by we have to run? But uh, I don't need to figure it out because I can see uniformed police coming in. 
from the front door. It is just within about 15 feet from me. And luckily, there's a back door right next to the shower room downstairs. In two seconds or three seconds, before my head can turn, you know, I, I look at the front door, seeing the police coming in, and I turn my head to, to see these 15 pastors. They are all gone. I can't see them at all. I mean, they are trained to run. <laughs> so I know, no choice, I have to run. So I started to run bare feet. You remember, I have taken off my shoes, but I have still have my jacket and uh, other stuff on. I have my backpack I have been left behind. I can't take my backpack. There's no time. So I, I started to run out from the uh, back door into total darkness. I still have my flashlight, but I don't dare to get my flashlight on because if the police is following me with a flashlight, <laughs> you know, they will chase me. I'm not that stupid. But I, this, this is my first time to in, in to this location. And uh, so I don't know what is going on, what is happening. And it is just a feel, you know. And there's a level road right there. So I just uh, followed the path and started to run. And I think I run very fast uh, because I can hear footsteps from the police coming to me. And I run and run for 20 minutes. I cannot run anymore. I feel that I, I have to slow down. And I cannot hear any footsteps at the back. So I think it will be the right time for me to take my breath back. And I find a place. Uh, I think there's a very old house. No one is living there. Uh, so it is a good place for me to hide. Even the police is following. Maybe I can still hide a little bit. I need to retake my breath and uh, I, need to, I need to think about what I need to do. And naturally, in the 20 minutes one, I pray all the time. I pray and I run. Two things, I do two things at a time because when there's no outlet, the only thing I can do is to pray. I know no one can help me, only God. And I trust that he will help me. I don't know how is he is going to help me. So I, my outcome may be being arrested and being in prison. But this is my prayer. I can still remember because I always pray this prayer, even right now when I go into China. I will, I, this is my prayer. Dear Lord, I really don't want to be in a prison in China. It may be better if I am in prison in Hong Kong in the United States because that's still a place that human being can live in. But inside China, in the prison, I don't think I can, I can endure the hardship and the difficulties. So I pray to my Lord, if it is your will, do not let me be in that situation. Because I, if I'm in that situation, I can't even trust myself. What does this mean? Lord, you know, I may betray you. If they ask me to sign a document that I will never be a Christian and a pastor again, and then I will release you, I may sign that document, hopefully to get my freedom back. But I cannot do that. I cannot say I'm not a Christian and I'm not a pastor. Because one day when I get to heaven, if I did that, you may close the heaven's gate for me. But it is hard 
Lord, if you want me to be in prison in China for, for you, I'm willing to. But you must give me the strength to endure that hardship. So this is my prayer for the 20 minutes. I repeat it again and again. So when I stop the running, I pray. And for about three minutes, I hear a voice. Uh, that's the young pastor who accompanied me to come to uh, Fuzhou. His name is John. Ah, so I'm very happy that I reconnected with him. So we pray again and we started to out what we should do. So I asked him, do you, you should make some calls uh, to our friends here to see if there, if there should be Christian families around here. Maybe we can go to their place to ask them for idea and opinion. At least we know where we are and how we, we can keep going. Uh, I make a quick decision. So I asked him, we should go south uh, because I'm from Hong Kong. So anywhere in uh, Guangdong province or Guangzhou, I can get, I may get some help from Hong Kong. I know I have no ID to cause the broader to go back to Hong Kong. That's my biggest problem. But at least as soon as I'm closer to Hong Kong, my, I will feel much better. So that's our decision, my decision at that time. So John gives some calls and we locate some family uh, who uh, want to host us uh, at that time. Uh, but that is about three hours walk from, from there. So no matter what, I will walk. That's not a problem for me. Uh, so we start walking and uh, just a trail, a path. So there will be bicycle and people walk around. And John said that since you doesn't look like a real uh, Chinese, mainland Chinese, so you have to completely down when you see people pass by. So I did a lot uh, going down to the field and try to hide myself whenever there's a bicycle or people walk by. So after a few hours, we were in this whole family. We prayed, and uh, they gave me a pair of shoes. And uh, it is about already about one thirty uh, that morning. And they said that uh, they know uh, another Christian friend who has a taxi. He's a taxi driver. He can uh, use his taxi to take me south, but probably not that long because there's about five hundred miles going to the city of Guangzhou at that time. So I said that's no problem if they can take this taxi driver can get me to a bus station, a train station. I can take public transportation uh, from Fuzhou, Fuzhou uh, to Guangzhou and then back to Samjian. Uh, but they said that it's 1.30. If they need the car, there will be a noise and people around Laborers will, will suspect why to, is your taxi uh, start to, to, to work at 1.30. So they said that uh, you should leave around 4, 4.30 when the farmers are up and uh, taxi drivers started to work. That's more normal. They will not cause any suspicious uh, thinking from the laborers. Uh, so we wait, we pray, and they asked me to sleep, but of course I cannot sleep. I call uh, my boss at the time, and I call my wife Margaret and telling them a little bit about the situation. Uh, so I know people from outside are praying for me. So 4.30, we started to 
to go, and then on the taxi. And very soon we started to find three cars following us because one car uh, has only one headlight. So it's very easy to spot this car following us. So we make a quick decision and ask the taxi driver to make a quick turn. It's like, it's like a James Bond uh, movie that John and I will quickly move out of the car, hide ourselves into the bushes, and then hopefully the fee car because when they make the same turn, the taxi is already moving on and they don't realize that we, uh, two of us are escaping, leaving the car. So we did, we did that. So we were in another place that we don't know what uh, to do. But we keep running. God helped us in about 10 minutes. We find the main roads. We saw a lot of cars and we saw signs on those minibus and also the uh, duck the bus which is going to Sherman and uh, it's going south. So this is good. So we take on the bus uh, to cut a uh, long story short. After 19 hours on a bus, topic bus, finally, John and I get into Guangzhou. And uh, during this 19 hours, I get calls uh, from pastors in the, from the host family. And they said that uh, they find my ID. And uh, so I asked them to fly from Guangzhou to Guangzhou Airport. I will meet them the next morning at Guangzhou Airport uh, to get back my ID. Because without my ID, I cannot go back to Hong Kong and go back to the U.S. Uh, my passport is leaving behind in Hong Kong. I only use an ID to get into China. Uh, so I praise the Lord for that. But I'm still thinking, is this true? How? Uh, because after I hear another story that... Uh, uh, 150 police have raided the host family and uh, they have guarded the host family. They arrest two pastors and the host family and uh, they should have get my ID because my ID is upstairs in that house. So I was thinking, wondering, is this true? Uh, am I going to really get at my ID or maybe they make a mistake that's not my the ID I want? So anyway, I I am praying all the way. The next morning at Guangzhou Airport, I met those two ladies, and I get my ID, and I finally can get back to Hong Kong. Yeah, but the miracle is, I find out how God works. How do I get my ID? And I lost my backpack. The backpack is completely gone, but I get back my ID because I hear a story on the phone about. 150 police waited at home. How, how did this happen? This is what happened. After a few days, I hear the whole story. And I met the host family, the lady, the pastor, uh, five years later in, in another city. She also told me that she was arrested, uh, spent time in prison and getting released. You remember I say I was waiting barefoot, uh, wanting to go to get a shower. And the lady is going upstairs to get my ID and the air ticket coming down to meet me. But before she came down, we all went away from the police. So when he come down from downstairs uh, to downstairs, the police are already in the house. So she is thinking, she told me, she's thinking I, she cannot have a Hong Kong people's ID in her hand with an air ticket. 
because that means she is allying illegally with foreigners. Hong Kong people are uh, also regarded as foreigners. Uh, they are not supposed to do so. So instantly, she is folding my ID and the air ticket and the money in a small purse, a lady's purse. Uh, she is folding that purse on a white dining table, a small dining table. It's probably two by two feet dining table, just right next to the uh, bathroom. And that's a white table. Nothing is on it. She instantly fold that purse on that table, white table. But for three hours, the police is waiting the house. And then later on, they got the, uh, the two doors. And at least two policemen are guarding both doors, two at the front door, two at the back door, uh, before all the police leave the place at around 1.30 that night, that morning, early morning. Uh, so she, when she came downstairs, she was arrested as well. But the purse is sitting on that white table. But 150 police, 300 eyes, no one, no eyes see the purse on that white table. They have turned the house upside down, searching. They have taken my backpack. And actually, I have a new computer at that time, you know, at that backpack. And it's gone. Uh, how, how do I get back my ID? A level, a young guy who is not a Christian, but is the level of the host family. I met him when I first went into the house a few days ago. She, he dyed her, his hair. He's about 16, 18 years old. He has a Walkman. You know, those days there's uh, people wearing Walkman. She was listening to some rock music very loud. So when I, before I get into the house, I met him and we meet face to face. I just say hi and he kind of saying hi. So he said that he's watching uh, from his house over the window, seeing all these police coming in at 1.30. Uh, all the police are gone. He's seeing the police guarding the house. He is very curious to know what is going on uh, to his uncle's house. So he went downstairs. He's going into the house from the front door. The two policemen who is guarding the door seems doesn't see him. He doesn't say hi to the police. The policemen, the, the two police, doesn't realize that there's a guy going in. So he walked into the house. The first thing he saw is the purse on that white table. The other things he said he saw is turning upside down. But he go into uh, go to get the purse and the, he opened the purse and he saw my ID and then instantly he remembered, oh, I see this guy a few days ago. So he he didn't take the purse, but he get my ID and the air ticket and the money put into the, his pocket. He go upstairs, everything is upside down. He come back downstairs, it's a small house. So he just spent a few minutes there and he decided to go out through the back door. He doesn't realize that there are two police guarding the back door as well from outside. But when he go through the door, the two police who is guarding the door from outside also doesn't see him. So he went back to his home and called someone he knows. He called his mother, and then the mother called others. That's how the information get back to me that they have found my ID. 
So I will have to say, if you don't believe this is a miracle, I don't know how to talk to you. This is absolutely (laughs) a miracle. How I get back my ID, how I can get back to Hong Kong. I'm still getting back to the U.S. uh, on time Mm. to get to the concert from uh, from Matthew. So praise the Lord. Yep, you know, I remember... I remember praying for you at that time, yes. Barnabas, mm-hmm. uh, aware of uh, the situation <laughs> mm-hmm. and everything. And I think this is just such a great introduction for our listeners right now to uh, just get a glimpse of what it's like to do ministry inside of mainland China. And just uh, this is one of many stories I know, Barnabas, the Lord has seen fit to protect you over the years, as well as protect our you know hundreds and thousands of brothers and sisters uh, some are in prisons and many are protected. And this is the reality. And we're going to talk more about this in our next segment when we talk about persecution directly. But I was just thinking, Barnabas, of uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 10 and verse 23. And you live this out. And our brothers and sisters in China live it out every day where it says, when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. And uh, that's what you did uh, for those hours. (laughs) And uh, God protected you, and he's continuing to watch over you, Barnabas. And so thank you for this uh, segment. I know it's encouraged us. And uh, wow, it's opened our eyes as well, I believe, to just the reality of uh, doing ministry inside of China. So thank you, Barnabas. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you all too. Thank you. Now I think you understand why we appropriately entitled this episode, Running. Like Jesus said in Matthew 10, 23, when you are persecuted in one place, flee or run to another. Notice Jesus didn't say if, but when, meaning persecution is something we should expect. We don't seek it, but we expect it. And in countries like China, Christians, they expect it a lot. Church planners expect it all the time. Maybe God is using this episode in your life because God wants to open your eyes and your heart a little bit more to what it's like to live in a country that persecutes Christians. The norm for the majority of the world is Christian persecution. We as Americans, we are the exception, although persecution is on the rise in our country. But all the countries where you support church planners, through 360 Serve, there is persecution just because you're a Christian. Here's your action step of the day. Go to 360serve.org and sign up to receive the weekly good news update. We will send you one story a week on something that God is doing around the world. Often these stories will reflect the different types of persecutions that our church planners are facing around the world. And this will help you understand persecution better And it's also going to help you pray for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted, who you're praying for, who you're supporting. You know, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3, it says this. It's a great verse. It says, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. In this scripture, we're called to place ourselves in a brother or sister's shoes and feel what they're feeling as they're being mistreated or they're being persecuted. This is part of God's call on our lives as the global family of God. 
Thanks so much for listening. I'm looking forward to our next episode when Barnabas will take us deeper into this theme of persecution, giving us more stories, more facts, and actually tactics of the ongoing persecution that's taking place in China. Until then, may the Lord bless you.